0: Bitcoin is the killer app, and it's it's already bigger than Venmo, Apple Pay, right? You
1: know, uh, PayPal, etc. Simply the podcast for those who want to learn from the very best in business, tech, and entrepreneurship. All opinions expressed by Christopher Vonheim or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Bin. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christophe Vonheim as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This episode is produced by William Fransen. Let the episode begin.
2: Amazon and Bitcoin are exactly the same. They're not companies, they're networks. What does Amazon do? They don't make anything. They connect buyers and sellers, that's all they do, and they take a cut. What is Bitcoin, right? It is the fuel for the internet of value. It is the base layer protocol for money over internet protocol. Maybe the greatest invention I'll see in my lifetime, I hope to live a long time, biotech and all, but it could be, and I believe this, the greatest wealth creator in my lifetime, which is awesome. And and I'm and I got a ringside seat because, because I ran into Dan Moorhead, who in you know seven years ago, look, I'm you know, telling a story on myself, not as smart as I think I am. So seven years ago, Dan says, hey, come to San Francisco, let's talk. He says, I'm shutting down my hedge fund, I'm gonna start two funds, one to do Bitcoin, one to do blockchain infrastructure. I'm like, oh, infrastructure, picks and shovels. I'm in, love it. Bitcoin, I would say, look, I was not running drugs on Silk Road. I was not a cryptography student, didn't get it. Bad mistake. Bitcoin fund, best performing hedge fund in the history of hedge funds. It's up about 250%, not 250, 250 times, 250 times. Now I made 11 times my money in Dan's first fund. I'm not complaining. And then the, the other funny story that you'll love, I, and other people have heard this, but so in 2015, my son was graduating from college. He said, go, uh, he wanted to live in San Francisco. Go to San Francisco, go to Dan. He'll introduce you to some internet company or uh, blockchain companies and uh, just pick one. So he looked at Coinbase and Zappo and BitPesa and like, dad, I don't know, it, it might be a big thing, but I'm just gonna go with KPMG, it's safe, gets me to San Francisco. And so we got a chuckle over, over last Thanksgiving. He's like, okay, fine dad, you were right, but you're not as smart as you think you are. I'm like, oh, do tell. He's like, well, you didn't lever up the house and put it all in Bitcoin. I'm like, huh, good point, okay. And he got the last laugh because now he works for Snowflake, and that's done okay. So, so the way
0: that I describe Bitcoin um, and and then a blockchain, two separate things. Yeah, One yeah. with Bitcoin, I literally just say uh, you trust an algorithm with everything else in your life, right? For the most part, at some point you're going to trust an algorithm with your money. Yeah. Right. Like, and you by trust the way,
1: email. Right? You trust the email too.
0: Well, and I use Google Maps, yeah. right? You trust it to tell you where you're going. Yeah. Like you physically move your body depending on this algorithm. <laughs> what information you put in. So the books it recommends you, the uh, music it recommends you, all the stuff. You listen to an algorithm. Yeah. When you Google things, the algorithm tells you the answer. I mean, like it's pretty crazy how much algorithms drive our, yeah. um, you know, our lives. At some point, you're going to trust an algorithm to... Just secure your money. Yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. And so so Bitcoin's a great way to do that. Um, when it comes from a, uh, to a blockchain, what I basically describe is triple entry accounting. Yeah. We have two two entry accounting, dual entry accounting. Today, there's been an invention of a piece of technology that now has created triple entry accounting. Triple entry accounting is really important because you no longer have to trust decentralized authorities. You can trust this triple entry accounting system. Most people are like, oh, triple entry accounting sounds pretty interesting, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. don't know what i would use it for, but like, sounds interesting. And so I think it's, again, just... What's the most basic concept? Yeah. And um, though the way that I describe it to folks is, um, it is a non-correlated, uh, asymmetric asset, meaning it does not move in lockstep with other assets, either up or down. Right. Yeah. So it has it's the value drivers are different. A stock, for example, is driven by revenue, profits, GDP, interest rates, et cetera this asset of Bitcoin is not driven by those same things. What are it driven by? Well, it's driven (laughs) by the fundamentals. It's a a network, right? And so the advantage I had early in looking at this stuff is uh, having worked at Facebook, I understand how networks and technology products grow, right? So I always use the example of uh, if you have a mobile app and uh, let's say you run a marketing campaign and you sign up 100 new people and then there's 30% of them, so 30 people try out the product. They don't like it right after a week or two and they leave and they don't use it anymore. So they kind of churn out. Yeah. Well, you had a net gain of 70 people. Then there's another influx of users. Then there's some of the percentages of those churn out, right? Then you have another uh, kind of, um, you know, acquisition of users. Some of those churn out. But each time you're having a net new gain of users, right? And so over time, the retention ends up being really, really important. Yeah. And so the network effect locks people in and retains them. Yeah. Bitcoin is experiencing that. That's what these kind of bull and bust cycles yeah. look like, right? Or, or they're acting like is the same exact
1: way that technology products grow. But in my mind, the craziest thing with Bitcoin, and I, I'm guilty of this. People say to me I have a fair amount of bitcoin. At least in my like net mm-hmm. worth, right? And and I'm saying to them, I'll never sell. I I want to die with the bitcoin. And I, I don't know if you're the same, but imagine if you have a system where the people who are in it don't want to sell, and if you add more people into the system, what do you think will happen with the price? Supply and demand economics
0: are a beautiful thing, and I literally think it's such a simple concept that people—it's <laughs> too are, simple, right?
1: They're confused. Yeah, they're like, "There's no way that this is possible." What do you yeah. mean? How how does this work? First, initial thoughts on the uh, white paper by Satoshi. Was it garbage? Never mind. Or was it okay? This is interesting. I need to learn more.
3: One, I don't understand what the hell this guy is on about. Uh, two, I uh, still don't understand what the guy is talking about. Three. Why is this interesting? For how come uh, that I don't understand this? Am I not smart enough? And then fifth, sixth, and seventh, starting to talk to people in the industry, I realized that this. And 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 to be honest, I met and and, and as you probably know, Chris, I'm being invited uh, on a number of occasions to talk to people in 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 as a presenter. One of my early early engage, engagement with uh, people around this paper was. Uh, was a group of people who came from uh, crypto, crypto group in Denmark. I never met a more odd bunch of people in my life. So the initial scare for me was that these types, not that I'm discriminated about anyone. I mean, I, I you know, think there's a good story from anyone in society, including homeless and unemployed and employed and directors. I all think they have a story to tell, but they were very much anti-democracy, anti-establishment, anti-feared as, as you alluded to at the beginning. But then of course, over the last, maybe 17, the first peak, but now over the last two to three years it's become far more a conversation about an asset class. What people don't realize, and I had the pleasure of interviewing actually Katie Woods, which you may know from Arg Investment, Peter Garnery, my equity analyst, and I spent an hour with her, and she made a very, very good argument on 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 the crypto space, not on the value of it, uh, but she said, you know, crypto and the whole new emergence of, of payment system is really based on that it's a new asset class. In the 1970s, pension funds didn't buy real estate. Uh, that was not perceived to be an asset. So in the 70s, the pension system and, and family offices introduced real estate. In the 80s, they introduced hedge funds. In the 90s, they introduced private equity. In the, uh, the 2000s, they have venture capital and, and, and early parts of of uh, of of uh, uh, the technology, and then of course now all of a sudden it's becoming embedded as, as an asset class. And I think she's right because we are always, as investors, looking for instruments which have a diversification relatively to you know risk on risk off. And, and so to that extent, I became a convertee uh, a couple of years ago. And. In my own advisory uh, portfolio called the 100-year portfolio, I actually have 7% in, in crypto, which is then being rebalanced every month, uh, which is the way the model works. But but for me, it's been a very long road. And to be honest, if you wake me up at 3 at night, I still can't really explain to you what goes on. But I will say, if you allow me to, to dwell into one of the outrageous calls we have this year... So this year, the the young crypto analyst I got working for me came up with the idea that NFT, non-fungible tokens, could create the single biggest user case for blockchain ever. I think the, the technical issue, the commercial issue with the crypto space and blockchain has been, what is the user case? I mean, it should be elections, it should be uh, internal pricing, it should be taxes, it should be a lot of things, but it's never really taking off the ground because the user cases are too small. But now comes the music industry with all the millions, if not billions, of followers. And you build an NFT platform that it sits on top of a blockchain. And all of a sudden, you're moving not 1,000 or 2,000 people onto a blockchain. You're moving millions. Katy Perry is now out and moving all of her interaction with her fans onto a blockchain. And if you see the, mod, the pricing model going on in music industry, 90% of the money is retained by Spotify's and, and services like Spotify and the music uh, record label companies. So the musician wants to look for a model that gives them back the power. The, the, the fans doesn't really care whether the app is Spotify or you know, through intermediation at blockchain. But the difference for the industry is that you're creating a commercially viable blockchain. And and bottom line is that we potentially are creating through these NFTs, mainly right now in art and in music, the, the user case, which is going to be the building blocks potentially for blockchain. And then all of a sudden we move from the speculative um wishing fiat money, anti-government and everything ends to, to, to actually having something which is usable. And then ultimately, of course, we need this intersection with the fiat money to be the final leg. But if you can create the commercial case for this, uh, I think the, the asset class uh, uh, issue is already addressed. If, if you're a fund manager today and you don't have exposure to, to crypto, you are underperforming by definition. So if you're in a relative performance business, you're underperforming. Uh, but but now I also think there is an increased uh, probability that we see a commercialization of this sector. And having said that, I have to say that you know the rule in Saxo is that if we do write and do research on crypto, it cannot be read or issued by anyone who's over the age of 30. So I'm obviously uh, almost twice that age, so I'm disqualified for actually having an opinion on this. <laughs>
1: Over the last years, we have tried to give our community the best possible content on business, investing, and entrepreneurship. If you have enjoyed this free content over time and find it valuable, it would be amazing if you want to support us by making a small donation in our Patreon. Just click the link in the description to have a look. If you want to watch this episode as well, please head over to our YouTube channel and make sure to subscribe to the channel. This episode was produced by William Franzen.